Hello everyone, this is Annabelle here and welcome to another episode of Talking Classical. I hope you're having an amazing day, whatever you're up to, and a big welcome to those of you who are listening for the first time. I'd first of all just like to start off this episode by giving a special thanks to the press team at the Royal Opera House for very kindly inviting me to the orchestra of the Royal Opera House's annual concert on Friday the 8th of February. This was an all-Russian programme on the main stage at Covent Garden, conducted by Sir Antonio Papano, the current music director of the Royal Opera. The programme comprised Stravinsky's Faux d'Artifice, as well as a beautiful selection of Rachmaninoff songs, and I was particularly struck by um, the soloist Anita Rachvelishvili. In the second half, the main focus was Tchaikovsky's orchestral suite number three, a really fun and varied work, allowing all sections of the orchestra to have their moment in the spotlight. The last movement was a particular highlight, which as Papano suggested, it certainly would have given Eugene Onyegin's Polonaise a run for its money. And this connection between movement and music is rather pertinent for this particular episode today, featuring my special guest, Victoria Marr. Now, for those of you who love your ballet, you might know Victoria of Birmingham Royal Ballet, but she quite literally is now teaching the world how to dance through her online ballet-based fitness company called Sleek Technique. We had a really lovely conversation about music and dance. Now, of course, I'm not a professional dancer myself. Nonetheless, it was wonderful to be able to share almost a common language. We also talk about Victoria's experiences of um, working with live musicians, as well as the importance of needing to have a certain amount of musicality and perhaps even some musical training in order to be a good dancer. I think that this will um, be really interesting for both dancers, as well as those of you who maybe are just interested in the topic. I also need to put a bit of context. Um, Victoria actually has a seven-month-year-old, so if you do hear a little bit of crying, um, it's actually Victoria feeding her young one snacks during the interview, but just an absolute little bundle of joy, which I think that you can hear quite evidently in this conversation. So, Without further ado, here it is. I really hope you all enjoy listening to this conversation with Victoria Ma. I'd just love to know how you actually became interested in dancing and ballet. Um, I mean, did you have lessons from a young age? Mum took me along to classes as young as two. I was always standing in front of the television, um, prancing around to Top of the Pops or <laughs> Fame or anything back in the day that came on dance related. Yeah. And even just standing talking to people, I was constantly on the move. Um, she thought it would help me burn some energy. And the first time I got given a prop, a little chiffon scarf oh, and yes, told yes. to, you know, improvise and make up some moves. I was in my absolute element mm-hmm. and um, my teacher suggested that I stick with it. And then I had a ballet dancer teacher when I was about 
uh, eight or nine, and she suggested that I perhaps go look for a vocational school, which then at 10, I um, went to Elmhurst Valley School and spent the next six years there just discovering everything dance. Um, yeah. My my absolute decision maker for going was I thought stage school would be like fame. Yeah. I, you know, I was a massive fan of fame on television. I thought I'd be dancing in the canteen, in the streets, um, and the idea of that just absolutely floated my boat. But I went to the audition just thinking, what better place for me? And so I can dance all the time. An amazing six years there. And the very, very selfless teachers there um, said, if I really wanted to, at that point, if I really wanted to pursue a ballet career and maybe go to a school that had a company joined to it, like the World Ballet School or Triangle National Ballet School, mm. um, to finish off my training. And so I did. I auditioned for uh, Royal Ballet School and got a place there and um, had two years there kind of refining and um, to become professional. Yeah. Uh, the, the love was always there. Uh, it was just kind of finding the path because I didn't have a, a ballet family as such or okay. a pushy ballet mom. It was always a, would you like to do this or are you enjoying it? There was always those constant um, points where I could have exited at any point if it, it got too tough or, but I always, always relished it. What was it particularly about ballet that you felt most attracted to? Um, I think I enjoyed all um, elements of dance. And for a while, I didn't think I wanted to be in musicals. I oh. kind of, you know, it's the first kind of theatre I went to as a kid. Um, and then I went to see some ballet and my teachers started to kind of you know push me down that route saying yeah. you know, you've got a talent it always encourages you if, if people in the know kind of give you the nod at yeah kind of you think we've got you what it takes yeah. um it's a great morale boost um i had a bit of a margot fontaine moment where i went to see um i went to see a ballet and my mum turned to it was swan lake actually yeah. and it was a uh, english national ballet i went to see and she said oh would you like to be one of the swans and i said no i want to be odessa <laughs> um, of you know, in my my very childlike voice i always like to be the big swan yeah, yeah. um i think it was agnes oates dancing the lead then i never really i don't think i thought it was it was always a dream i never really thought it was a possibility until i was about until i got my place at the royal ballet school i think um and i thought this is where the best of the best come. Um, I'm here. Wow, yeah. this is amazing. <laughs> so that was a, a bit of a, a, a light bulb moment for me that potentially this could be a career yeah. rather than just a passion. Yeah. We were very lucky enough to have lots of the ex-dancers or um, of the Royal Ballet teachers repertoire. Leslie Collier taught me repertoire for the time I was there. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a great sense of achievement, actually, when you learn a solo in the afternoon and you work on it and you perfect it. And then as a student, you've got free standing passes to go to the Opera House in the evening. So I'd go two, three times a week to the Opera House mm. when I was a student. Um, to then go in the evening to watch that solo being danced by when I was at school, Darcy Bustle or Viviana Durante yeah. or, um, you know, it starts to kind of ignite desire to be a professional ballerina. Mm. So, yeah, it's a, that was very special. Quite. Did you ever get to see any of the opera productions as well? Yeah, I actually, I saw, I saw a couple of opera over my, over my period there. I've got to admit, I was a bit of a bunhead. <laughs> it's always very, very, um, focused on the dance. Invariably. Although, you know, there were opportunities to go and see other things. I would, religiously go and see much like musicians would go and see the same performance with a different conductor because oh, it can right, be a yes. very different experience for yeah. them they know, notice all the musical nuances the tempo changes the um you know dramatic um you know input of the conductor i would go and see you know the same classical performance of 
Sleeping Beauty or Swan Lake or Romeo and Juliet, so multiple times for different people in the lead because for me, you know, a different person in the lead can bring different qualities to it. It was almost like seeing a completely different show. Right. Um, I was a bit of a bunhead at school and I predominantly went to see dance and uh, yeah, various different performances, yeah. the same production often. <laughs> yeah. What were some of your um, career highlights? Um, what were some of your favourite productions to, to dance in? I think for me, absolute landmark ones were... Um, I remember going as a student at the Royal Ballet School to see Birmingham Royal Ballet when they came to the Opera House to dance David Bintley's Carmina Burana to oh. the very powerful Carl Orff score. Oh. And I remember walking out of that performance that day thinking I want to dance with that company mm. um, it was a more contemporary or a neoclassical edge than yes. I'd seen yes. anything of royal do at that time and um, it just uh, the score on its own is so powerful phenomenal I know then combined with the you know great David great choreography and the visuals and the lights yeah. and um, the costume and the, you know, it was just for me that was a, an absolute groundbreaking moment when I decided that's the company I wanted to dance for mm. and I wanted to dance that ballet. Very fortunately for me, um, David Bitley saw me at the school and offered me a contract to join the company at age 18 and my very first year in the company, we danced Carmina Burana. Mm. Um, as a first year called a ballet, I was um, doing all the core stuff, yeah. absolutely loved it, um, but would stand in the wings every night and watch Fortuna, the lead, and just thought, one day, one day. One day, yes. Um, <laughs> and it came back into the repertoire again some years later and I very lucky got to dance the lead them and then uh, a couple of years after that was asked by Dave to go and guest out in Japan uh, as the lead in when they did Carmina Brown out there mm. um, and I was flown over as a guest artist and that was one of my absolute highlights because I got to spend some wonderful time um, in Japan I went with Robert Parker actually to dance it and with a fantastic company who welcomed me, you know, with open arms, which you can always feel a little uneasy stepping into another company as a guest artist because mm -hmm. um, they've got fantastic principles of their own that could dance the lead. But, uh, you know, an amazing theatre with a full orchestra and a mm -hmm. full choir, um, mm -hmm. you know, the music starts and I had all my family flew out uh, yeah. to, to see me dance it. That was an absolute highlight for me mm. in, in so many ways mm. yeah other than that you know dancing some of the big roles in the classical ballets in Giselle at Swan Lake uh, Romeo and Juliet again with beautiful scores mm. the Prokofiev Romeo and Juliet is something that still gives me tingles today yes. when I sit and listen to it um, you know or it comes up on the TV yeah. use it in so many things now yeah um, some lovely musical moments some lovely dance moments music is so evocative that yeah. again I can be a million miles away from the stage and years on from taking a step off the stage in my final performance but I can still get the absolute you know goosebumps on my arm when yeah. you know the music strikes up and it reminds you totally is it important for you to know the music inside out or to have a real understanding if you've studied an instrument as a dancer it gives you a far better understanding of the music mm -hmm. um, far easier to follow when you're working with a new choreographer it could you could have a very abstract piece of music that isn't all in you know 
very clean eights, um, mm. number four, followed by a six, followed yes. by a ten, you know, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have to then religiously count it. If you have a good sense of musical time signatures, you will have a far better understanding that it will be far easier for you to pick up. When it comes to working and rehearsing in the studio and then on stage, um, if you have better understanding of various musical instruments and how a score is brought together, when you go from working just to piano music in rehearsal Mm -hmm. and then you hear it orchestrated for the first time, if you're not aware of how an orchestra works together and, and... you know which instrument is taking on which part you can get very lost in it because you've just heard it to piano and you could be waiting for a certain cue that you hear in that you know in the music on piano and then when it comes to the orchestrated version it's actually the strings you need to be following yeah so a deeper understanding of music will always help you um pick things up quicker and, and and also yeah phrase things better having an understanding of what um maybe the composer was thinking what we're trying the, the emotion he was trying to convey yeah for me there's so many different levels and if you don't marry the two um with a, a really deep understanding it can leave an audience very cold you must have to know that music like inside out like the back of your hand or you know maybe you've got someone in the wings just pushing you on and being like okay go on now <laughs> <laughs> well you certainly need to get, know your part inside out back to front um but you might not necessarily need to hold, know the whole ballet uh, but also you know if you ever do get stuck the one thing you do have in uh, in dance is a visual cue as well yes. you can work out your exit from or entrance from when someone else is entering or exiting the stage you, there is there are fail safes yeah. but it, it does really really help and it gives you a sense of security when you step out on stage if you know the, the music as well as the steps mm. um, inside out and back to front Quite. You know, it's um it gives you that sense of security for yeah. sure um, but then on an artistic level it's definitely a different performance isn't it if you have a different mm. understanding of the music did you study music um when you were at ballet school did you yeah did you have lessons music lessons i did have piano lessons when i was at elmhurst yeah I started off oh, of course um, yes, at, at ballet schools they don't they expect you to sing or play we did have to have a musical audition um when we first joined really? I had a sing song oh my um, word <laughs> and I'm not a singer we didn't have to play a musical instrument luckily for me at the time um, but yes we had to sing yeah so they put you through the mill before you're allowed to get your blanks for sure mm. and what was the purpose of the ballet schools encouraging you to to sing was that to expand you know career options say if you wanted to go into musical theatre was that to help you perhaps with the musicality of the dancing no, definitely to expand. It's such a small percentage of people that, you know, training classical ballet that actually get into make a career out of it and um, into a, a good company. And it's um, it's always important, I think, to be versatile. Mm-hmm. And it's great that ballet schools now um, will, you know, train you in other forms of dance. And they're realistic about, um, as a dancer, just like an actor or a you know, musician, doing it professionally. Is, is really hard mm. um it, yeah they're, they're, they're definitely you need things to fall back on for mm. sure a fantastic example of someone who's made that transition from the ballerina to being this wonderful kind of all-round performer and singer you know someone like leanne cope or robert fairchild who've been doing you know the american in paris i mean yes. they've developed into these wonderful singers now haven't they absolutely um and honestly the, the two of them just completely light up the stage and it's very rare I think you go to see a show and you have 
such a high level of, of dance and singing. Um, absolutely fantastic. And now a, a lot of the, the royal dancers are now featuring in the um, the Cats movie that they're making. Oh, wow, really? Really, yeah, very, very excited to see oh, yeah, Stephen McRae and Frankie Hayward as well is, oh. also, is in there too. Oh, my word. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Wow. Yeah. Do they have to sing as well or um, are they there more I'm for dancing? Sure, actually. I don't know. I, I haven't, I don't know. But, um, but certainly they're all taking a little sabbatical. When you have, you know, the live music, I mean, it must give you a real edge and to your performance, you know, compared to when you, like you said, you have the, the rehearsal pianist in the studio. Um, all those different colours in the orchestra just must add something totally different and it must be kind of a new experience as well. I, I mean, I've got to say I feel so, so privileged to have spent so many working years working with a live orchestra. Mm. Um, um, I mean, we have great pianists that we work with in rehearsal. Oh, yes, um, for sure. We play with a lot of passion, a lot of vigour, and, you know, that in itself gives you a lift when you have someone who really, you know, plays the score passionately, um, even on a rehearsal piano. But then stepping into a theatre and hearing a score orchestrated for the first time that, um, and a piece of dancing, it can be terrifying as well, mm. because, you, again, you're, you find yourself searching for your cues and it's unfamiliar um, and you want to get your sets right. And um, But ultimately... In a performance, I think there's no better way um, to marry the, the two together. It's just, it gives it such a lift, um, yeah. dancing to, to live orchestra. And I, uh, yeah, as I say, I, every day I got to do it, I felt blessed. And working with great conductors, mm. you know, Barry Wordsworth and yeah. Kessels. And, Amazing. And just, I did a performance and I went out to uh, Christian Sand in Norway. Okay. And, and even there uh, working with the Christian Sand um, Symphonic Orchestra we were on stage with them oh, and amazing. constantly I was so hard not to get distracted watching them at I work know. and it was just it was beautiful and taking something we took it was the Pierre Gint um, suite we were working to oh, lovely. Um, giving it a very modern twist okay. uh, it was a show a very traditional piece mm. um, in Norway's history but yes. we had pole dancers break dancers oh my word. and ballet dancers <laughs> yeah. all in one show with the orchestra involved on stage yeah. um, and we had the best time it was amazing for all round um yeah, yeah absolutely fantastic experience working with live orchestra totally. i love it yeah is it very much a collaborative process as well when you're working with say the orchestra and the conductor because i guess the conductor needs to be aware of you know what you do as a dancer and particularly dancing principal roles um it's lovely when you get to work with the conductor who will be doing your shows um when it comes to the stage um in rehearsal it's really fantastic to have a working relationship with somebody that you it feels collaborative in the sense you can say i know musically here you need to speed up can you give me half you know can you give me a breath just here oh, as okay. i finish that pirouette because yeah, yeah. i'm dying and i need to totally know, on to the next yeah step. yeah if there's a bit of give and take there dancers want to you know the best for the for the for the movement but if there is a bit of a collaborative give and take there i think the overall show is better and the best experiences i've had are you know working with conductors that i feel i can go up to and say on this section of my solo, is there any chance we can draw this out just slightly, the ending of that or something? And and he can say, mm, it doesn't really feel right to do it here, but I can help you out here and slow down the section mm. before and maybe fractionally. That is, uh, I think, you know, that kind of collaboration makes all the difference to the performance uh, and it can mean the difference between you falling flat on your bum <laughs> or nailing the finishing of that solo. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's really important to have that relationship between, you know, dancer and conductor and 
positions for sure. I certainly think when you're dancing a character piece, um, in abstract pieces, I guess, um, you know, maybe slightly less of a concern, um, but when you're dancing a character piece as well, it's like phrasing like you're speaking, isn't it? In totally. Um, when you're having a conversation between two people, um, if you rush to the end of the sentence, you're not waiting for an answer, it doesn't work. If Quite. you're asking a question and there's a pause while you wait for the response, the same thing, you know, reflected in the music, it makes more sense. Yeah. Um, and I think absolutely, if uh, if a conductor is is willing to have that, you know, conversation with you and you can come together and, and get what's right for both the music and the dance, uh, that's the ideal situation. Yes. Yeah. Um, everyone's obviously both art forms, you know, they want to stay true to what is best for it totally but when they come together and there can be a little bit of um conversation about what works best for each you get the best outcome Mm. do you think it's important um for dancers to be musical and to have a sense of musicality when when i would say yes before you finish yes 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 (laughs) (laughs) absolutely why yeah um uh, it's one of my pet hates actually if i go and see a show and somebody is dancing off the music no matter how much you want to indulge in a movement or you hit a beautiful dance if you're not on the music if you get left behind um it's one of my absolute pet hates and it just it ruins ruins a performance for me so yes yes it is important for them to be musical yeah when i say watch dancers it's quite obvious you know when you see these ballet dancers you know you see them on the television you see them live it's it's quite obvious you know the ones who have the music in them and they they embody it and some of them can maybe be a bit more mechanical yeah i think you've used two uh, absolutely perfect words to describe the absolute two ends of the scale yeah to me there's no other way to do it than to embody it and get carried away by it it's something that actually just completes the process um you know you can work on steps all day long but it's not really until you put it to the music that it comes alive for me mm. um so uh, yeah, embody is exactly the right word yeah. yeah and is that something that you were encouraged as dancers whether you were um you know training at the ballet schools or in the in the Birmingham Royal Ballet Company is that something that you were very much encouraged to be musical dancers and to be emotional and to perform yeah I think sometimes um the performance aspect and the emotional aspect can actually get sadly overlooked um, yeah. when you're training. There can be a really, really strong focus on technique and get building strength and just nailing the steps um, and yeah. becoming more technically. And then the artistic side can get a little bit neglected. Mm-hmm. I've always felt very lucky that for whatever I lacked in technique, the artistic side came very, very naturally to me. Mm-hmm. So um, even if I wasn't the, the highest jumper or whatever, I always felt that I my edge could come on stage when I um, when I performed. Um, so that's something that always came very naturally to me and I maybe didn't need as much coaching on. But I think for young children coming up through school now, um, I almost wish there was more um, focus on the performance aspect, the artistic aspect, because it can get a little bit technique focused um mm. which obviously needs to be and with the, the level of you know technique that's it keeps on constantly improving um and young dancers today are doing things that when i was training you know i was only dreaming of doing but the standard keeps them going up and up and up uh and i would love to see 
uh, a, a greater focus on um, art history and, uh, and musicality as well. I would love to see the, the scales tip just slightly so yeah. you had more dancers that reduce you to a myriad of emotions when you, you went rather than just going, wow, that was a big job. Wow, she did six Quite. times. Um, yes. you know, I, would, I like to go and see a show where I leave with an emotional response yeah. as well. Do you have a favourite piece of music that you loved dancing to or that you'd still like to dance to? Funny enough, I don't actually. As a dancer, I kind of almost put classical music in a work zone where I don't listen to very much classical music when I get home. Yes. Um, it's, yeah. it's one of those things. I, yeah, you know, I, me too. I, I learn a, a piece of music really inside out and back to front when I'm dancing to it. Yeah. And then I get home, I'll, I'll play alternative stuff. Anyway, um, yeah. But things that still leave me with tingles just because they have fantastic memories attached to them and or really great performances that I absolutely nailed and I felt that that was, you know, I'm very often when I'm really, really pleased with myself and I thought I wouldn't change anything about that but there have been a few performances that I've loved and I've nailed Camila Burana, as I said, yeah. um, moments on stage in that where I just felt completely at ease, completely in control and completely loving every moment. Um, so still, if that comes on in the car, I will, I'll get, you know, a proper wave of, of joy and excitement. Um, and some, some Ravel music I've danced to just, I just gives me that lovely warm yeah. rush of, you know. Did you again, ever get to dance the Bolero? Close my eyes on a sunny day and listen to it. Uh, and then... I think probably some more modern stuff like um, some Philip Glass in the upper room. Again, another ballet which I've got amazing memories from. Um, a score uh, which builds and builds and builds through the nine movements, as does in the dance, until it finishes this absolute crescendo and everybody's in this kind of like ecstatic state. I can't listen to that Philip Glass score sitting still. I have to be up moving to it. Yeah. Um, and so, his, yeah. his his music, you know, it has that kind of momentum, doesn't it? So, yeah. It does, yeah. Definitely, it definitely carries you on. But if I'm sitting at home or um, relaxing in the evening, um, I quite often, I'll listen to some, I quite like electronic kind of dance music okay. as well. Um, kind of, and also some like Carly Simon, just different nice. kind of easy listening stuff. Occasionally a smattering of classical know in there but yeah uh, quite often I can't listen to it without getting quite emotional emotional lots of, lots I know because yeah it's very evocative of a time and place on stage most of it for me yeah did you ever get to dance the bolero? You know, I've sat and watched it many times on TV. Um, yeah. Tom and Dean dancing to it. And also the know, Maurice Béjar version as well with Sylvie Guillaume. I just wondered if you had the opportunity to do that. No. So, oh. No, no, I haven't. Uh, no, not a piece of music I've ever got to dance to. And uh, no, we don't have, we've never had many much Béjar work over here, actually. Um, uh, not certainly didn't have any pieces of his in the company while I was dancing. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, a lovely, another lovely piece of music. How does the choreographer? I mean, someone like David Bintley. He he was taking he's taking these you know very traditional classical works, isn't he? And then giving it a, a new twist with his choreography. So I mean, how does he come up with all those amazing movements? That's just so imaginative, while the music you know is still quite. David Bentley is one of the choreographers I've worked with most. So in terms of his process, which I've been part of, you know, many times in the studio, he's exceptionally musical. And before he even comes into the room to set a single step, he knows the score he's working to inside out, back to front. And he always challenges himself. He never takes a piece of music that's 
strictly strict time so there's always something crazy going on and he's worked with somebody to um commission a piece of music which is challenging he knows that music inside out and back to front before he comes into the studio um and then he's put a lot of thought into it as well um he's particularly good at creating padders so i i love watching some of the padders he's created i put him up there with um with macmillan um, yeah. and some of the padders he's created for sure yeah did you ever get to dance any of the macmillan works Yes, lots of them. Yeah, and um, and always loved doing them. It's it's great. It's an English ballet company um, with Birmingham Ballet to get to embrace and you know do a lot of uh, British choreographers' works. Him and Ashton um, and Bintley as well. Uh, it was it was fantastic to do so much of that real part of our heritage now. Mm. Um, yeah, very lucky to. Did you ever get to dance with singers or musicians on stage? Um, I mean, did you get to dance something? Did you get to do this lead from the Erd, for example? Um, the closest I've got, actually, um, in Carmina Burana, we had the full choir with us. Um, and the Pas de is done to a beautiful um, solo, solo so tenor, I think. Um, that was just, oh, like, the most exquisite. It's um, amazing, that, isn't it? Yeah. And to be honest, it's one of the most memorable bits for me working with the, the, the singer for that because yes, again, he sings so high, just uh, incredible what they could do with their voice, and it, it forced me to be able to be more controlled of my movement. But there have been some shows that we've kind of done mixed arts when we've had um, some uh, actors on stage. Um, it's not not as often singers actually, but working with singers in the pit or um, in the theatre for, the, for a show, as I said, adding that extra element for me is just, yeah, it, it only adds to a performance. I absolutely love it. Even small sections, Nutcracker in the snow scene, um, when oh, we have yes, the choir, the um, that suddenly the voices come up as the, you know, the snow starts to fall. It's just one of those magic moments in theatre for me. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh, it's been lovely chatting to you, Annabelle. Yeah. My absolute pleasure. It's uh, brought back lots of memories. Yeah. <laughs> And that was my conversation with Victoria Ma. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to that. Please do let me know what you think. If you would like to leave a comment, you can find all the links um, in the various description boxes. So that's all from me for this episode. Um, thank you very much for listening. I do hope that you'll be able to tune in to the next episode. Hopefully I can put it out within the next few weeks or so. Have an amazing day, whatever you're up to. And I hope that you'll be able to join me very soon.